Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Brett, sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Look out, it's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a joy bundle, and I love film. As Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, always do what you are afraid to do. Like watch Skinnamarink on your own in an empty cinema. Go on, big boy, you can do it. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that mean the most to them. Previous guests include Barry Jenkins, Mark Frost, Sharon Stone, and even Yed Blambles. But this week is the wonderful comedian, actor, and writer, it's Mystery in Sterling. This week, little announcement... Shrinking starts on Apple TV+, Plus, the show co-created by myself and Bill Lawrence and Jason Siegel. Give it a watch. You'll bloody love it. It's on Apple TV+, Plus from the 27th of January. Go on, have a look. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you'll get an extra 20 minutes of chat with Ian. We laugh a lot. We talk about beginnings and endings. He tells me a secret. You get the whole episode uncut and ad-free. Check it out over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. So, Ian Sterling is an excellent comedian who became a national treasure as the voice of Love Island. He then went on to co-create, write and star in his own show for ITV, Buffering. Season 2 starts now, has started, is about to start. Look out for it, it's fucking great. I've known Ian for years, we were starting out in stand-up around the same time. He's a lovely, brilliant man and it was a pleasure to catch up with him on Zoom. We recorded this on Zoom a few weeks ago, and I really think you're going to love it. He's fucking brilliant, he is. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 232 of Films to be Buried with. And welcome to Films to be Buried with. It is me, Brett Goldstein, and I am joined today by a stand-up, a 99 clubber, a dog ate his homeworker, a CBBCer, a sitcom writer, actor, showrunner, a creator, a husband, a father, yes. and yes. to and because of his sterling, and I didn't even mean to say it that way, but let's call it what it is, sterling work as the voice of Love Island. He is, of course, a national treasure. Please welcome to the show, 
He's finally here. It's the one and only. Can you believe it's him? Yes, it is. Here he is. Is Ian Sterling? Woo, 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 woo. Hi, Ian Sterling. How are you? I, ch- I cheered myself. I don't know how I feel about that. No, you were right too. It's, a, it's, an, it's an impressive uh, impressive list you've got there in the intro. Thank you for that lovely intro. It's very flattering. And um, a 99 clubber is... Well, the, the, yeah. I think it's the most, I think that's the most niche, niche introduction I've ever had on a podcast. <laughs> well, you and I sort of started similar times, didn't we? And we spent a lot of time doing gigs at the 99 Club, the excellent comedy franchise in London. There yeah. was certainly about a six or seven month period where it was ba- it, me and you basically <laughs> gigged together. I, I would say four nights a week. Yeah, I'd say we were, we were the pillars, <laughs> the pillars of the 99. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they they done they're done their job, but they weren't hugely entertaining. <laughs> they were solid and they held up the ceiling, but they didn't you take pre- it off. You were like you appreciated that they were there, mm. but there was other stuff going on that was far more interesting. Yeah. You've had a very varied and excellent career and you were did CBBCs early on in your stand up, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you love that? Yeah, so I'd done stand-up. I started stand-up first, but then like I'd only been, been a stand-up for like five, six months. And I'd done um, an open spot at the comedy store. So for those that don't know, an open spot's where you do like five minutes for no money and they decide if you should be paid at a later date. In the, ter- much, in the way the com- well, in, this, in terms of the comedy store, 15 years and counting. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> 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 Still open to offers. Um, and then there was a, a sort of a, a, a drunk lady there on a night out who said she was a kids' TV producer. And, uh, wanted... and you believed her? No, I, the opposite. I didn't oh. believe her. I thought she was obviously, I thought it was mad. Because I guess you, you'll know this, like, especially when you start doing comedy, you just want a reaction. So you tend to be a lot ruder or like controversial and also when mm. we when we started comedy comedy was shock wasn't it that was the whole mm. thing the sort of frankie boyle mock the week generation sort of thing so i wasn't very child friendly so i thought it was a wind up and then i went home i didn't stay in london and then a few days later the comedy store phoned up and went oh the children's bbc called asking for your details because obviously they don't know comedy so they just assumed that like i <sighs> played that comedy club full time as my job or something but fair play to them to get in touch and then yeah then the, the, the rest is history That's to me fascinating. what do you think they saw in you if you were doing five minutes of filth and pedo jokes that they were like this guy's this guy's a kids tv presenter i think i had one bit about going on holiday with my family on a caravan that obviously ended in a pedo joke of course it did of course mm-hmm. of course it did but yeah. um the start was sort of quite sweet about being young and going on holiday with my family and stuff and also i think they'd had a london guy be the the presenter before me so they wanted a not english person because that was Uh, that was that was diversity back then (laughs) (laughs) someone not someone not from london honestly they were literally like oh look how progressive we're being this guy this guy's went to he went to state school. He can't speak properly. This we've absolutely <laughs> smashed it here. Um, so yeah, I think I think I got I got quite lucky on that front. I'm very I'm, I, I say that obviously in jest. I'm very grateful to yeah. um, the BBC for those fun fun years. But yeah, that bit, essentially I was a young person that wasn't from London, and it was at the time when TV producers used to hang around London and give people from London jobs. 
So they couldn't believe I was there, really. And then you, because I remember when you first started on Love Island and like before it was, before it was a smash, like right when it started and you, you were like, I'm going to have to do this thing. And then suddenly you were selling out the Pleasance Grand. What a life. Yeah, it was, it was sort of wild, the Love Island thing. And again, it was, um, I don't know how interesting this is to people, but in the, in the world of like comedy, especially back when we started, it was sort of like, I'll use the word purist, but I think it was sort of more cynical than that. But like the idea of doing something that wasn't stand-up to further your stand-up was sort of frowned upon, right? Do you know what Mm. I mean? So like me doing the voiceover on a reality TV show was sort of seen as this huge gamble, which which seems mad now, even in the sense that like I was basically getting paid money, which at the time I didn't have any money at all. And they were going to pay me money to like be on the telly. And I was like, oh, but I need to do Edinburgh Fringe Festival and stuff. And like... Com- and comics, and I was thinking the same. A lot of them were like, oh, I wouldn't bother doing that because you'll not get you'll not get booked for, you know, Radio 4 or Latitude or whatever if you do that. <laughs> and now you've got obviously people that sort of, st- no one gets big in stand-up through stand-up these days. No, and stand-up's the worst Google. way to get big in stand-up. If you want to get big in stand-up, <laughs> stay away from stand-up. stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst thing. You, you're I, mad. Actually, if, you're if mad you get if a, you're trying to get big in stand-up by doing stand-up. If you're doing stand-up instead of recording a podcast, what you're the mad. fuck are you thinking? <laughs> how are you, you going to sell any tickets to anything? If you think diligently applying your craft year after year is a way to get people to come and see your craft, you're insane. Get in the jungle. Come on, let's make this happen. <laughs> and then now you have, you're a bloody showrunner. You're a co-creator, writer, yeah. actor, star of your own mm. sitcom. Yeah. Tell me how that experience was for you. Particularly, you've got a second season coming out. Congratulations. Thank you how so much, man. The first season and how much were you like, this is incredible and how much were you like, this is so stressful and overwhelming. I have no idea what's going on. So we filmed the first two episodes pre-COVID and then filming That's stopped it. in the middle. And the first two episodes were bliss because me and my friend Steve Bouger, who wrote it together, mm. sort of, and this is a bad thing, but we were, and I, I mean that, in that we were let, we wrote the first two episodes. It got commissioned very quick. I think I had a sort of, because I done, it's about kids TV and I had loads of stand about kids TV. So there was lots of sort of solid, in terms of like when you pitch a thing, I had quite a lot of like, funny stories and Love Island was sort of popular and stuff. So we just got given this thing and they were like, make it. And we, we at the time, I didn't know how quickly they wanted us to make it. We had like a few months and we didn't have like any like producers or script editors or anything. And we'd ne- neither of us had written a yeah. thing. So we sort of, the first two episodes were this like 45 minute pilot, essentially. But because we'd never done it, we didn't realize... Obviously, we were like, so rather than stress, we were just like, wow, all these people are here because we wrote a thing. And then COVID happened and we had like a year and a half to like look at those episodes again. And we got like really talented, like script editors and producers and all that. And that's when the stress happened of like, oh, we've not said anyone's name or... Like we've we the audience don't know why any of this is happening, and so then that from then on in it was it was um yeah a lot the stress came in and all that. So the there's the great thing about the second series is I feel like we've we learned so much on the first, and now it is a sort of really collaborative. And obviously we were we were I wasn't like show running or involved particularly in the show 
in the first series because I didn't know what a mark was. I didn't know I didn't know where to like st- <laughs> stand when you're acting, and I'd never like been involved in like an edit or directing or anything. Um, I've done a bit of that since. So yeah, second series is a lot more collaborative. I'm involved in it loads, and like I'm I'm just so like I'm in that stage where we've just finished to sort of signed it all off, and it's not on yeah. the and it's not it's a few weeks away from being on the telly at time of recording. So um, this is the scary bit. Well, I'm in, I'm in the blissful. We've made a thing. I think it's amazing, bit. And then I'm going. I'm about to hit the stage where you show it to your nearest and dearest, and they don't sort of like die laughing and cry at the emotional bits. Then you go, oh God, it's not the best thing ever, and you start panicking. And then it a few. Then a week before it go, comes out, and that is just horrendous, like what, horrible. What um? What's the deal? If I may ask, I'm always interested in creative partnerships you and steve very funny steve who wrote and co-created it together do you have a deal of like 50 50 say like you both have to agree on a thing or how does it work absolutely i've actually started applying my relationship with steve to my marriage in terms of i feel like we've been so clear on how we're doing it to not cause any eruptions so it's everything's 50 50 down to the tiniest detail and the other thing we've got, if any of us have hear any news or developments, or have any thoughts, we, we've got a rule where you've got to sort of immediately text or phone the person and tell them what's right. happening. So, you, you know, you know, like from like, oh, I think Bladdy Blah's hair should be pink all the way to like yeah. the boring stuff like, oh, FYI, my agent's just called and I'm going to be get I get a car in today rather than getting the train like just everything we just completely tell everyone everything and that open communication is actually <laughs> is actually been phenomenal in all of you my relationships well I mean but but again we both work in show business you yeah. know that double acts have been broken up and worse things than someone showing yeah, up yeah. in a in a car while the other person's like got the train <laughs> to work so yeah that we, we try and completely split like everything really um he's That's great because we we work quite well in terms of like we always say we used to write stand-up that together that's how we got into the world of like writing uh-huh. the sitcom and we always say with the reason we work quite well together when we do stand-up is we look at it like in steve's stand-up you know what he's selling but you don't know if you want it and with mine my stand-up you want it but you don't know what it is <laughs> i think that but I'm I'm more a vibey person, and he's sort of a he he does a thing where he like writes jokes and stuff, which I'm not a f- I can't be bothered with all that. I just yeah, go no. for a funny concept and just see what happens. That's a perfect partnership. Yeah, it's nice. So you're you're selling something that people want as a group. Yeah, I mean, if I'd got onto the crypto scene early doors, I'd have cleaned up. I think basically something <laughs> of absolutely. Something of absolutely no value that you can trick people into thinking is incredibly important in their lives. That's my yeah, vibe. Steve's a more a stocks and shares guy. <laughs> I think you're a stocks and sh- I've seen a few of your shows and I think you're very stocks and sh- you're st- in a good way stocks and shares. You know what you're doing. Well, as in, here's what I'm presenting, but you might not want it. No, but, but I want it, man. The wanting it bit's the bit that comes, the bit it comes, doesn't it? It always comes eventually. <laughs> What's nice? You know those... Um videos that people make where it's like i took a picture every day and and their face changes so i actually haven't seen you in person in probably four years three years yeah and in that time but in that time i've seen you a lot on this screen that i'm looking at you now on 
in this exact in this exact position exactly in the exact position exact configuration and during that time we we sometimes played poker during lockdown and stuff and during that time i've seen you become go from man playing poker (laughs) in lockdown to to a husband to a showrunner to a father and it's just every time i see you it's like more and more it's great. It's fucking beautiful, man. Well, you went from writing a show none of us had heard of to swearing at the Emmys. So I think we've all we've all, we've all we've all been on a we've all been on a journey. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and quickly, we don't have to dwell on your private business, but let's uh, dwell. Has being a dad been a thing? Is it a thing? <laughs> so, like yeah, it? It seems like I'll it's probably quite a thing. I tell you what. Yeah. It's a thing. I did not know how much of a thing it was, actually. You guys really is. It re- honestly, it doesn't want to let up the whole being a dad thing. Um, yes. I love it. Time, right? I, I, yeah, I am. I, um, I don't know. I always, it's so tricky talking about being a dad in the sense of like, I really like fucking love, like I really love it. Like, and then also like, I always thought I'd be good at it. Right, uh, and I've, in my life, I've always thought I was going to be terrible at everything. I think it's because I like I don't know, like what school. The, so I went to this sort of school where people were like, the, "You I mean you know?" And you, you you were like, "Don't have ambition; it's for idiots," sort of thing. And teachers would be. I remember once in my school, my friend Peter said he wanted to be a footballer, and the teacher said, "Why don't you be a postman like your dad?" And it was just like that sort of like vibe. But I've always sort of had it in my head that I'd be good at being a dad, and I don't know. I think I, I've sort of quite good at it and I've I'm useless at it and I'm useless at everything else so it's really it's it's a really nice feeling but then also at the same time it's like as a comic you're sort of designed to be like oh I've I never sleep and it's awful but like it's really great I mean I do sticker books at 6am it's class Uh, but um yeah I really like it man I do and I hope I hope I I do hope that comes across so people that haven't got kids it's like a thing of like I'm doing something I like and if you've got a kid or a kids on its way like I think it's sometimes nice to hear someone be like oh it's really great because as a dad basically everyone just goes oh how, how old is your kid and you say the age and they go oh, wait till this stage it will get worse <laughs> yeah sort of rel- that's all anyone ever does wait till they walk then it'll be rubbish wait till they can answer back and you're like yeah so I quite like being like no it gets re- better every time it's really fun uh, it's dirty well it seems a shame that I forgot to tell you something that I'm now going to tell you. It seems a real shame, actually. God, I feel bad about it. I forgot about this bit as well. I, after I've I, just, yeah, it's a after real I've just shame. talked about after I've just talked about my de- my heavily dependent. I think we've assessed. I very yeah. much need to be um, with it. Yeah, and yet, oh man, you've died. Oh, You're oh. Dead. <laughs> I should. I don't know why Awful. I agreed to do this. Awful. Mm. Ha, how did you die, man? What? What a shame. Uh, do, you know, do you know how I died? No, do you? Yeah. Okay, great. Chucked on a sticker. <laughs> you were helping your baby with the sticker book. I'm assuming so, the baby was there. Well, yeah, to make me feel less guilty, I've made it that it's their fault. Okay. So baby hands you a sticker mm-hmm. and says, eat yeah. this. It's a fruit. Let's go with a fruit sticker. It's a, it's a, okay. it's a, it's a tangerine sticker. Okay. We're role playing, mm-hmm. and I to 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 get into the part, I, mm. I pop it in, 
much it's because of this the sort of like sticky nature of a the sticky nature of a sticker there's a yeah that's what what a sentence that is by <laughs> a professional talker it, it sticks to my gullet Jeez. i'm i'm choking yeah uh, that's upsetting for the child so to yeah. make them feel less upset i eat more they're finding that funny the stick so i eat more stickers to sort of lighten the mood <laughs> and then that it sort of congeals into a sort of um plug this is a a heroic and dr- dreadful death i mean for you for the baby the baby at first is disturbed then thinks oh no daddy's being funny and then daddy dies in front of baby i mean it's it but it's, they wouldn't know they would not know i style it out unbelievably right. How? no trauma absolutely not they think it's hilarious okay we're all good Okay. Well, that's a lovely, that's a lovely story. Uh, do you worry about death? <laughs> <laughs> do you worry about death? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a bit of a cliche, isn't it? But yeah, every, every year it becomes more, every, every year you get older mm. and oh my gosh, this is, I went from the positive about my child to like, every year you get older and the people nearest and dearest to you get older you worry more about the inevitable demise i'd like to think i'm in the middle ground because then i guess you i would like to think you get to an age where you don't you're not okay with it but you then come to terms with it you're you mean you are comfortable with it there must be a age where that kicks in i don't know i i i don't know if it was on this podcast someone said it to me or i read it or something but it's i mean if i tell you this it might haunt you but it was the idea that it Let's say you live till 80, right? So you get to 40 and you go, oh, well, I've still got the same Half amount of, of it, time yeah. left. But then the reality is time moves faster the older you get. When you were like 1 to 10, time took forever because there was only 1 to 10. But every year, your life gets quicker. So although you might have 40 years left, those 40 years are probably really the equivalent of 20. So You know what I mean? So actually... Yeah, and also <laughs> you know that there's less years where you're going to be, and I don't even mean at the very end. I just mean like there's going to be years where you're like ill or mm. got a bad back. Oh, so, oh my god! God, why did you bring this up? Do you think there's an afterlife? N- no, sad. Sadly, sadly, mm. no. I think there is. I think you live on through those people like nearest to you, and like there's little oh, listen, ripples. Your kid. He's going to be talking about that death for the rest of his life. <laughs> you will definitely live on in therapy sessions. I'm going to live on by paying off therapist tax bills. In stand-up shows. Probably do a stand-up show about it. Oh, Mag. If, if that's how your dad dies, you are going to win the Perrier. Like, that is phenomenal. Yeah, you're winning the award. You know... You've done some serious damage. If my dad went out like my dad went out like Tommy Cooper at six a.m. <laughs> on a Paw Patrol sticker book. What a uh, legend! And the the show is called Tangerine. That's the name of the stand-up show. Oh yes, that, and one name stand-up shows are yeah. so trendy AF. And it's say. and it's your kid quite low in the poster quite low holding a, a, a little tangerine and the rest of the, it's a lot of negative space and just tangerine i was thinking a lot of negative space 
nose upwards, bottom of the page. Like, did you ever draw those pictures oh, yeah, of like okay. someone looking over the yeah, wall? Yeah. That, and they've just got a tangerine on their Little head. Like, on their head. head. Yeah. Fucking hell. Anyway, listen. Listen, buddy boy. Good news for you. There is an afterlife. There's yes. a place. You'll love it there. It's filled with your favorite thing. What's your favorite thing? Um, pasta. It is made of pasta. This yes. place. And it's the right, you like it, you want to sit on a pasta seat. It's a little al dente, perhaps. That was, I, I was, I was going to give you the word, but I, I, I knew you had it in you. I believed in you. <laughs> uh, everything, <laughs> you're being served pasta by pasta people. You know those like macaroni men you see in the adverts, they're walking <laughs> pasta around. Pasta people. Chefs. There's chefs there. <laughs> they're chefs, but they're made of pasta. Or, oh, that, that makes more sense. I thought you'd been in Hollywood too long and you'd like... <laughs> you know, had the just pasta had... people. <laughs> <laughs> Get me a uh, car, people. Get me a I'm car, people, to the, take me uh, out. Cupcake, the cupcake guy. <laughs> uh, anyway. And where's the very... letter guy? Where's, where's the letter guy? <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're very excited to see you and they want to talk to you. About your life, but they want to nice. talk about it through the medium of film. Oh, wow. The first thing, and it's weird, and the first thing they say is, What's the first film you remember seeing, Ian Sterling? It was in the cinema and it was Snow White. Holy shit. I'm assuming yeah. it re released, unless you're much younger than you look. No, I think it must have been. I don't really remember the time because I don't, I'm trying to like, I was born in 1988. So I right. think Snow White came out before then. I but it was definitely it. in this. It was definitely in the cinema, and I don't really remember what sort of Disney films were actually released around the time I was born. But like, it didn't seem it was a full cinema. It wasn't like, you know, I'm from I'm I'm from the streets, mate. I wasn't in some I wasn't in some bloody gaff in Hoxton, like you know, <laughs> do you know what I mean, where someone's you gone from yoga. Yeah, some pictures of you go from your Pilates class to watch a re a re release Disney number. This was how old were you? Um, I can't. I I, I can't actually remember, but I, mm. I was I was walking. I was talking. Okay. My sister was there, who's two years younger than me. So I'm thinking I'm going to ballpark it at five or six. Okay. And I think the reason I remember it is because obviously it was my fir the first trip to the cinema, the popcorn, the cool. Fantastic. This, this. Do you remember the? This is a genuine one of my first memories. Is the seat that fold pulling the seat down to sit on it blew mm. my. I thought it was the, the most uh, the cleverest thing that e had ever happened. Yeah. And I remember just standing up and sitting down all the time throughout the whole film going, how does... And I remember thinking, how does it know? How That's does it seat know I've stood up? <laughs> it was sentient. Yeah. I, I probably thought it was. Wow. So That's yeah, it's no way. Did it scare you? It did, yeah. The late, the old, the, the lady, when she's the old witch lady mm. at the very beginning... I, that, I was nearly out the door. We, we, my mum really had to work to keep me in the cinema. And then obviously the dwarf, the seven dwarfs show up. I forgot the second um, part of the title of that film there for a second. And I had a real um, al dente moment, actually. <laughs> uh, the seven dwarf, the seven dwarfs and all that, that was bliss. And then it gets sort of scary again towards the end. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I was scared at the, the, when she, the queen turns herself into an old lady for the whole apple scenario. Yeah. That scared me. That's a great first film. What, what about being scared? What's the film that scared you the most? I'm a huge horror fan. Like, that, like right. there was a. Is your is your wife or is it something? No, separately? Uh, literally. Well, I don't really watch it. 
at all, at all now, really, occasionally. Okay. But that was like all I, when as a single man in my early stand-up days, all I watched was stand-up DVDs and terrible horror films. And then I actually used to, the, I was, I used to on Kids TV, I used to present with Hacker the Dog, and we lived together. And he loved really bad horror films as well. So we just used to watch like so many awful, awful horror films, like budget independent stuff, everything. Did I know you and Hacker the Dog lived together? We lived lived together, yeah. Once, um, yeah, we lived together and he used to, all the hob was all multicolored because he used to dye fleece when he built puppets. Uh... And then he'd never clean up after himself. So we had a sort of multicolored hob. (laughs) <laughs> Phil Fletcher you should get him on Instagram he makes all these puppets from scratch and they're fun- he's a phenomenal talent yeah. actually yeah so I love horror films but the film that scared me the most when I was a kid is quite Ooh. a bad horror film it's Blair Witch Project 2 oh Book of Shadows I think so yeah mm. um, I just remember being a big where I, I just remember me and my friend Mark used to watch horror films as a kid and then we'd like scare each other like do you mean one would go to the toilet we'd hide and like Whoa, all that sort of stuff <laughs> But for some reason, halfway through the Blair Witch Project 2, Book of Shadows, we just looked at each other and we're like, not tonight. Not tonight. It's too much. <laughs> I remember them all being locked in some sort of like office or warehouse or something at the near the end. And we were like, this is insane. We're like, why would anyone? How did... You know that thing where you thought, how did the people think this up? Oh, yeah. I was watching... Because I was watching Fresh recently with my wife and mother-in-law. Right. Do you know that film where they, they, they sell the body? Edgar Jones. Yeah, with Daisy Edgar yeah. Jones. And my mother-in-law was just sort of going, the people that thought this up are sick. <laughs> <laughs> like, angry at them. I mean, there's some truth in it. I think of all fiction. I mean, I think it's sicker to come up with Manchester by the Sea. Like I oh, go, 100%. I go, oh, you sat around dreaming up what would happen if all your kids died in a fire? In a fire. And then you were really stoic about it until you got questioned by the police near the end. They're either mad or they want an Oscar. It's one of the two. <laughs> and it's not for us to decide what's happened with that. <laughs> Hello, my neighbour Maureen. What's this I hear about you getting a promotion at the office? Didn't you just get promoted last month? It's all thanks to Canva. I've been nailing every meeting with AI-powered Canva presentations. Isn't that Canva's AI slide generator where you just describe your presentation in a few words and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides in seconds? That's right. And to top it off, I use Magic Write, Canva's AI text generator, to perfect my points. Sounds brilliant, Maureen. No more copying and pasting from other programs. No more app switching. Can Canva Docs with Magic Write generate any text you want for work? Yes. Sales proposals, marketing plans, yeah. Meeting agendas, ratings of all 12 Muppet movies using the extensive point system that I developed at age 12. Anyone can save time with Canva's AI-powered tools. Generate your draft fast with Canva Docs at canva.com, designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbour Maureen. Yeah, thank you. Maureen, what's this I hear about you going to film school? I am. I want to gain valuable skills while making films and developing my creativity. So I'm attending the New York Film Academy. I'm thinking about becoming one of them people that writes the numbers on the title board. NIFA is a very respected film school. 
I hear they offer a variety of options to meet your educational goals, whether you want a BFA or MFA degree or want to learn at a quicker pace with a short-term programme. That's right. They've got workshops and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, cinematography, screenwriting, producing, game design, musical theatre and more. Are you attending in New York? Might do. They have multiple campuses in some amazing locations like New York, LA, Miami, Italy, Australia and online. And you can learn more about the New York Film Academy at nyfa.edu. That's nyfa.edu. Thanks, Maureen. Uh, what about crying? Are you a crier? What's the film that made you cry the most? Mate, the, the most exciting thing about this question is it happened three days ago. Oh, wow. Go Literally on. three days ago. A man called Otto. No. Buddy, uh, uh, full disclosure... Yeah. Um, I was up in Scotland, my um, and my obviously cause we've not really got grandparents so um, around in London. So I've, my mum and dad took the little one. So we went out for a meal, and we were literally walking past the Odeon on the way home. We went, we're just going to go and see whatever's on. It was a man called Otto. I was a, a, to be full disclosure, I was sort of a bit gutted. Really, I thought, oh god, yeah. a two-hour Tom Hanks film where nothing happens. Fuck's sake. It was, it's beautiful, man. It's so amazing. Uh, and it's just so lovely and like heartwarming. But then there's all the, all the cliched sad stuff at the end happens. And there's a scene, I don't want to do like spoilers because it's like in the cinema. Yeah. But there's a scene where he basically gives this couple like a, like a thing that was like really important to him growing up. He's very, he plays a very stoic, lonely man. And he sort of, befriends this family and becomes ingratiated with the family it's gorgeous performances are amazing film it's filmed brilliantly and then um, yeah I, I i've never had a, a well i have but not in like the last 15 years a physical reaction where like i just like threw myself back there was also two four of us in the cinema me and my wife included so i really i could really let go yeah. and i was I had a, I'd had a bottle of red wine and a lovely meal, so I was re- I was in a lovely headspace, and I knew I wasn't getting up for a child the next day, so I was like, hey, "Let's let let rip rip." But yeah, that was the that is the most I've cried at a thing, and I couldn't tell you how long. Wow! Did your did your wife cry, or was she looking at you like you're mad? Oh, you both did. Oh yeah, I don't think if I think if you can that film is like like that film is made to like Ricky Gervais would watch that and be like, "Fair play." <laughs> you've put the music in the right place you've touched on all the right topics that is brilliant and I and also I, I, I think it comes across I don't mean that as a criticism but it's like phenomenally well done on either yeah. side it's brilliant it's so brilliant oh interesting you have to see it it's, mm. the good thing about it is it's great seeing things in the cinema obviously but it's one of the it's not a you have to see it in the cinema film right you have to watch it on your own, I think. Oh my God, it's so sad. Yeah, if it's going to make me cry, I'm definitely seeing it on my own. Good man. Good man. What about a film? What's the film that you love? Most people don't like it. It's not critically acclaimed, but you think it's fucking brilliant. Well, I mean, there's about seven to choose from here. Mm-hmm. Because uh, for me, it's the Wrong Turn franchise. Oh, wow. That is, I, don't think, I, I don't think that's come up in... Maybe it came up once, but definitely not the franchise as a whole. Oh, it's phenomenal. That's a, a lot of wrong turns. Seven wrong turns will send you straight back to where you started, I'd have thought. Not, not, in, not, in, this, not in this film. 
There's just people, people take a wrong turn, they get killed, then there's the credits, then a film starts. It's, it's brilliant. It's so bad and so brilliant. And they always seem to get the right side of like, it's, it's like a horror film. You can, I reckon you could watch it on your own and be afraid, but you can watch it. What's amazing, you watch wrong turn films as a collective, mm-hmm. you'll get the person that hates horror film who will be absolutely shitting themselves. Right. People that like cinema who will be furious that it's happening. And then people that are like, can see the funny side of it, find it so funny. It just touches every topic. Like there's always an attractive couple at the start having sex in the open for no reason whatsoever. They get killed horrifically by some deformed person. And then then another film begins. Every time. It's so great. They're so great. I think <laughs> Wrong Turn 2 is probably the best. Right. Or Wrong Turn. 6 is good as well, though. But 3, 4, three, four 5, you'd avoid. Yeah, there's one where they... Do, well, there's one that's not aged brilliantly because it's set in the sort of world of social media. Okay. And it's, like, funny watching what people in 2008 thought social media right. was going to be like. It sort of dates it a lot. Okay. But they're all good. I mean, none of them are... None of them are critically... They're not like... Yeah, they're no. not like certain ho- horror films. I don't think any of them uh, are critically acclaimed. Do you know what my uh, horror franchise of choice that I love... That I just think I'd love to have. A, I'd love to have a bang. Hills uh, of Eyes? No. The, pa- the too... Paranormal Activity franchise. Oh, my God. But then, pa- see the thing about Paranormal Activity, what it has that Wrong Turn doesn't is Paranormal Activity 1 is great, is actually good cinema, technically speaking. They're both great. Uh, But then they went cash in later, like Saw, like Paranormal, whereas Wrong Turn was shit. (laughs) Yeah, to start with. (laughs) And it's still, and it's just got shitter. Basically, (laughs) Wrong Turn was shit, and then they just made it cheaper for nine times. Impressive. Great answer. What is a film that you used to love? But you've seen it recently and you do not like it anymore for whatever This reason. is the old... Yeah, this is the one... I don't listen to this... I've, I've listened to a fi- quite a few of these podcasts. I, th- I think this is a bit of a cliche answer, but it's mm-hmm. American Pie. Okay, I, I understand. As a teenage boy, I thought it was so hilarious and sexy. And, and then, obviously, now you watch it, you go, oh, that's why a lot of men are a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, you watch American Pie and you can yeah. explain you can explain a whole generation of creeps. Oh my God. It's all American Pie's fault. In American Pie, they hide a webcam in a girl's room and it's like, see, there's this like really it's great wild. thing that's about to happen. I have talked about this before. Not only is it wild, but it's wild that it wasn't wild at the time. It's just, it's ins- mate. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. There's like I've recently. I, I couldn't believe it when I I, I I I sort of like watched it again and years ago, and then it made me think about that whole generation. And then there's like, then you think of like all know that whole like the bands of that generation that, that came just after that indie. All the lyrics in those songs are fucking mental. <laughs> Like insane, <laughs> because like I, the other day, pigeon detectives. This is really off topic, but like pigeon sure. detectives came up. Take her the song. Their first single was called "Take Her Back," and it's about her being 
possibly two. It's, it's I don't even. It's oh just mad, God. and like it's it's insane. And yeah, when you watch, um, and it's so annoying because American Pie, like the music's so great, mm. the performances are so great, and then every second concept in it is fucking horrific. It is a shame because there's also a real sweetness in that film, and it's got quite a nice. His yeah, the main character's relationship with his dad's yeah. so beautiful. Like, yeah, there's so much nice stuff in it. There's a lot to love other than the, you know, revenge porn and fucking <laughs> uh, darkness in it. But other than that, it's a lovely, cheeky film. <laughs> the guy that the guy that taught a generation of boys that to give a given a semen donation meant you got a fit girl stuck a finger up your ass for uh, what? <laughs> and, then just, and then he basically that was then that was him for the rest of his life that's all, that's all that could happen yeah oh my god you can't you sort of can't even talk about it in terms of like how mad is this in a funny way it's like no that's meant it, it's just c- collectively mental as well that at the time as far as I remember, I was very young. Perhaps there were many people writing "This is outrageous." I don't but think I there don't, was anything. I didn't hear anything. I just there was no hearing. like there was film. no yeah there was no like oh the woke brigade are after yeah, American yeah, yeah. Pie again. Yeah, they were just like American. What a legend! <laughs> what is the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily the film itself is good, but the experience you had around seeing the film will always make it special to you, Ian Sterling. Well, I'm double lucky because um, it's a great film as well. Right. I like a lot I like a lot of terrible films, but um, and I mean that obviously fondly. Yes. Uh, but Goodwill Hunting, man. Good film? Uh, yeah, it's just... Basically, the, when I moved out of my flat, um, I moved... Uh, sorry, we moved out my parents to go to university. I live with my mate Scott. We've both done law, but like, Scott's amazing. But I was into like football and nightclubs and he would stay at home on a Saturday and uh, learn uh, John F. Kennedy and Winston Churchill speeches and had like leather bound books everywhere. And we were in this flat and we were like really close and we didn't have a thing. And then basically Robin Williams became our thing. And I'd never seen Good Will Hunting and he showed me it. I don't think I'd ever watched good stuff. Like I went to, like I went, like I, I listened to like, hardcore house dance music when I was a kid and then got into like <laughs> like pop punk and, and, and at university at university and like like went to football and like watched like American Pie and like Footballers Wives and stuff Holly and then like and then like he showed me like proper cinema. Yeah. I'm, I'm, do you know I mean I'm not saying I'm not saying it. I'm not saying yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. but like when you when cinema done well yeah. Gets you, and I'm 19, and I've never yeah. been exposed to that sort of thing in my life. I could, I could, I couldn't. Bel- and it was funny. I thought it'd be dead boring because I'd you obviously at school you go to like a play or whatever. But this was like it blew my mind. It blew my mind, and like it's got a bit. Yeah. It's got a bit. I think it's got a bit 90 iconic scenes in it. Yeah, it's true. It is true. It's really held held up. And perhaps he showed it to you because he was like, "I'm Will Hunting." You don't understand me, but I'm here. Oh, I mean, we, we both, if you watch Will Hunting, yeah. as a man under the age of 25, you're watching it the whole time going, I'm, I am 
Will Hunter. Uh, this oh, is, you weren't this, thinking I'm Ben Affleck. Oh, I mean, I was Ben Affleck, but Ben Affleck's <laughs> but character doesn't think he's Ben Affleck. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're the thinking... joke doesn't know he's a joke. Right, right. <laughs> I'm there wearing the same training top Ben Affleck's got on, going, <laughs> drinking a lager. And I'm probably to... good at maths. <laughs> I'm terrible at maths, going, I'm definitely Will Hunting. <laughs> uh, what is the film you most relate to, Ian Sterling? Well, annoy- annoyingly, it is mm. probably, it is Good Will Hunting. But I don't, because I don't know if you I can, can answer it if you can give me a hot take I, on it. Well, I think the reason, basically, I, I, I felt like I was good while hunting in the sense that I, I went to my school. I was the only boy from my year to go to university, and I don't mean that in terms of I was. I, I don't mean yeah. that in a clever goodwill hunting thing, oh. but yeah. what I mean was, I basically was taught like in my school you. I basically went to university and I met people that wanted to like be like actors and politicians and do you know I mean all this mm. stuff and I'd never been exposed to that world before and it sort of like blew my mind and it and I felt like that's what like Will Hunting was when he was exposed to like therapy and maths and I thought like oh this is he's going on this mad journey and I really felt like at university I'd met these people who like went out drinking but also studied do you know what I mean? And like dated girls, but then didn't get in fights with bounce. I've, I, I was just sort of like these. I was like, oh yeah, I. I, I oh yeah, there's a p- place that I sit in the world, which mm. is what I felt like Will finds in that film because although he's fighting against the whole world of like work and being a genius and having prospects and all that, he's fighting against it. I think he does want it. It takes his friends. Tell them you can be both. That's yeah. I think that's what that I think that's what that film is for. For Will in it is him realizing that you you're not you don't have to be one thing. You don't have to. You can be the guy from Sophie and you can be a genius. I don't think he knew that was an option because mm. in the world we live in, you're never told that's an option. Really, you're always told you do you're this thing or you're that thing, and that's basically what university was to me. I realized, oh yeah, I can be, I can study and work hard, and I can be a pisshead. This and is idea. Yeah, fight back. I can fight bouncers and then write them a legal letter explaining to them why they're wrong. <laughs> That's very, I really like that. Uh, well, I like that a lot. What is, what is objectively the greatest film of all time, Ian Sterling? Objectively, it might not be your favourite, but it's the greatest. It's a, it's a, it's a good question. And again, I'm, I'm not gonna, but I could, I mean, we could easily um, put Good, Goodwill Hunting could fall into there right again I'm going to say I Daniel Blake wow I mean I, full disclosure I saw it in the cinema yeah in Newcastle right the week it came out and I've never been in a theatre where literally no, it was only a little 60 seater and nobody left that theatre for like five minutes after the like the end it like mm. I do think it's got Really, the performances in it are like incredible, really on point, phenomenal. Yeah, it deals with like I think really interesting social issues, which actually at the time I don't think were being massively portrayed on screen. I think the sort of like mm-hmm. particularly a working class man struggle was certainly not being being shown. Um, and I just think it's sort of like sometimes filmmaking. I, I think this the way it's cut, edited, written. 
I think there's the thing when you like you. I always say like sometimes like as a film like it's that whole like idea of like when this sounds mad, but like, if you like fry an egg, it's like really yeah. simple. But if you fuck it up, it's horrendous. And like they've just like there's all the basic parts in there because it's a really like stripped down production and they've just got them all right so to watch it I think oh, that's bang on I really liked it and again that's actually probably the most I've cried since I watched um, A Man Called Otto A Man Called Otto you know what I'm going to let you have it I, Daniel Blake the greatest film of all time what's the sexiest film you've ever seen is it also Good Will Hunting it's Good Will Hunting no it's um, it's Bend It Like Beckham oh yeah Go on. Sexy football film. Yeah, well, I was a 13-year-old boy that was obsessed with football. Yeah. And then Kira Knightley came on telly, on the screen, who was, she was probably like three years older than me. So in my head, I was like, there's a movie star that's my age that would date me in real life. And she's like good at football. And she's like, wears like, she wears like sexy, cool clothes on a night out and like just chills out in her, sports bra looking wicked and as a as a young man i i couldn't because again sign of the generation even a girl playing football was like yeah what yeah. <laughs> and and it being cool yeah yeah kira knightley and bend it like becca man great shout obviously as a 35 year old man what a horrible thing to say <laughs> speaking of which traveling bonus worrying why dots a film you found arousing you weren't sure you should. Oh, it's 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 basic, but who framed Roger Rabbit? Bob Hoskins? Yes, Bob Hoskins, what a ride. Um, yeah. Jessica Rabbit. Is that a problem? She's so fit. She's a cartoon. She's not got a third D. <laughs> she's got, she's got, well, no, she's got two D. No, she's got, two, she's two D. She's got enough Ds. She's a 2D with a lot of D. Yeah. Is that, do you think that's, pro- that's not problematic? I'm just like, if she, if you're not meant to get a boner, then w- I don't understand anything. <laughs> I mean, well. <laughs> but nothing makes sense. Well, if you want me to be even more honest, Planet of the Apes. Now you're talking. <laughs> Which one? The, the original? The. Oh, Jim God, Burton no. One? They're, oh, you're joking. They're boofing in the original. <laughs> Absolute munters in the original, the remake, but the the first one, not the the plant, the, the the original Planet of the Apes remake, the None Tim this... Burton one with Mark, yes. Marky Mark. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you like yeah, yeah. sexy? You like Helen Bonham Carter monkey? Helen Bonham Carter monkey is the the, okay. the Kira Knight, the Kira Knightley of my twenties. That is that is an answer I can respect. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what is the film? <laughs> what is the film you could or have watched the most over and over again? Oh, another another easy one for me, Aladdin, the original. Great, great film. Just again, a bit of a, a bit of a. I've I've tried to cut the Robin Williams references down because he appears in the four times I reference Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, but um, it's just, I think it's the best voiceover performance of all time. It's just flawless. It's yeah. it's it's amazing. I'm, I I would all I, I'd almost there's definitely. I mean, this is I've not gotten, done enough research to back this up, but 
it would be in the debate for the performance that lifts a film into... Do you know when like that one person just brings a film into that next echelon? Robin Williams is a genie, just takes that film from like great to like a platinum classic. And it's a real, it really, I was thinking about it recently, like it's a real, it really suits his improv, that film. Like they animate all his voices, you know, like in the parade and doing it. Like it's a really good match of like animators and his stuff. There's loads of stuff online if you're, if everyone's that way inclined with like the original script plus what he did, stuff like that. It's so great. He basically wrote, he basically wrote the character in a booth on his own. Yeah. Like, amazing. Amazing. Fantastic. Uh, We don't like to be negative, Ian Sterling. What's the worst film you've ever seen? Oh, well, again, by pure, I have not been to cinema in ages due to recently having a child, but I've been twice this week and I saw the thing I cried the most at and the worst film of all time. And it's called Babylon. (gasps) It's fucking horrendous. It is the it is three hours and ten minutes long, so it can already fuck off. It is long. What's annoying about it is it's got about three or four scenes that are un like unbelievable. Yeah. Margot Robbie is unbelievable in every sense of the word. Brad Pitt is Brad Pitt in the most in every sense of the world. It just goes on for fucking ages, and it's so up its own arse. And I can just picture everyone involved in that film watching it back again and again and again going aren't we aren't we clever and there's like a joke in it i went there's a joke in it where like um they go like oh god there's like some reference to like mental people they go hmm, it's a lot like hanging out in hollywood and like, oh go away go away and then at the end the main character i'm not gonna ruin it for you because you might still want to see it the main character's like crying and this like like they've also got like a contra zoom close up happening and they start showing like all other cinema from history and like oh how important making film is and our film's the film that's going to tell the story of how important film is and by this point the film's ended 19 times and I'm just like oh what a waste of a amazing like there's so many elements of it that are brilliant and then they've just tried to be really clever for no reason. And it's just, oh, God, I hated it. Well, for the I record, bet you liked it. I did like it. But but I know an awful lot of people that really hated it. And I, and I definitely went in with uh, low expectations because everyone hated it. And I went on a Sunday morning and I watched it and I was like, and you left really on like tu- You left on Tuesday left afternoon. On, Tuesday, yeah. <laughs> on a high. I, thought, I think I really liked it, but I, I get it. I get what you're saying, and you're not alone in feeling that. Yeah, oh, I really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, I really liked it. What is, you're in comedy, you're a, a very funny comedian. What's the film that made you laugh the most, you crazy Good. guy? Well, no, um, <laughs> probably Anchorman. Funny film? It's a funny film. Yeah, probably Anchorman made me laugh the most. As in like, I'm talking like absolutely like laugh out loud. Again, could be like a bit to do with timing. I was I was like prime chilling out in my recently in my flat share watching a thing with the guys where we could like quote it back at one another and all that. But just really funny. That same sort of Aladdin, I guess, genie improv sort of vibe, which I quite like. 
Like I've mm. said that before, like I like the sort of the vibe of a joke rather than like the craftsmanship of it. I appreciate. So it's probably a lot of that involved. I think, yeah, what they're, they're all really good in it, which is obviously helpful. Costumes are funny. I don't think there's a there's not a there's not a moment of that film that they're not trying to be funny, which is good. Everything about yeah, it, the names of the true. characters, the way they're dressed, even yeah. the way they this sort of like weirdly eighties nineties like sort of like vignettes and stuff they use to like cut between scenes are sort of funny. It's funny. It's just funny. It is just funny. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's funny. Ian Sterling, you've you've been a joy. However. When you were um, doing a sticker album with your baby at six in the morning and you and the baby handed you tangerine sticker and you said you being a natural clown pretended to eat the tangerine. The tangerine got lodged in your gullet, your word, and suddenly you were choking and the, the baby looked distressed and you were like trying to say, no, no, everything's fine, but you couldn't. So you grabbed a load of tangerine stickers and threw them on top of the other tangerine sticker. Yeah. That's creating a mulchy cork in your throat. Oh, I like that word. And you were dying. I mean, you couldn't breathe. No one else, your wife was out. And the baby's laughing and laughing. And you're going, well, leave them wanting more. And yeah, you yeah, yeah. did a spin and you fell onto your back. Baby crying, laughing. And luckily your wife comes home sooner, moves the baby out, goes, Ian's being silly on the floor, picks up baby, they go out. I'm walking past with a coffee, you know what I'm like. And I go, oh, check in on Ian. I haven't seen him in person in a while. Go in, there you are, dead on the floor. And because of all the tangerine stickers you've eaten, you're absolutely bloated. Your whole body's like a fucking balloon. So I grab some knives, start chopping you up. (laughs) Stuff goes everywhere. Chopping you up into little pieces. Baby comes back in. I'm like, oh, this is this isn't oh, good. But I am I, I sort of say to baby, listen, put put this in the 45 minute mark of your stand-up show. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know about lulls yet, but there's it's coming. You will. <laughs> and uh both, anyway. in, both in comedy and life. <laughs> okay, help me help me out here. We we stuff your body in the coffin. There's more of you than I was expecting. The coffee's absolutely rammed. There's only enough room in this coffin for me to slip one DVD into the side for you to take across. And on the other side, it's movie night every night. What film are you taking to show the pasta people and the cupcake kids in the afterlife when it is your turn? Do you know what? I thought it was going to be Good Will Hunting, but I'm not just going to say the same thing. Because I talked to you about it and I I feel really happy about it, I think I just want pure honour unadulterated joy in the afterlife yeah. so I'm going to go with I'm going to I'm going to pop Aladdin in there uh, not, I'm not going to pop I'm not going to I'm not going to pop Aladdin <laughs> I'm going to pop the film Aladdin in yeah that's beautiful I love it Ian Sterling uh, before we go I'd like to tell I'd like to plug your child's uh, upcoming stand-up show Tangerine uh, Tangerine Post to this Poster's this. For, for those watching on the Zoom, the poster is this with the tangerine oh, on the head. I'm really excited then. They're going to win everything. They're going to uh, win the, the Perry and then it'll do, it'll, do a, it'll do a West End run, but in like a sort of cool, yeah. smaller theatre, not, nothing too showy. I love it. Now, you need to tell us what to look out for. I believe Buffering Season 2 is on its way. I don't know when this episode is coming out, but tell me the dates. Jan 
the 30th, Ooh. January the 30th, Buffering Series 2 drops on ITV2 and then all episodes will be available on ITVX. That is fucking cool. Is there anything else people should look out for or listen to with you? Um, Just look out for each other, I think. Look yeah. out for um, uh, friends and family, check in on people. And me and my wife have got a podcast called Partners in Crime, a true crime Amazing. podcast. Oh, wow. Available exclusively on Spotify. How lovely. Have you started it? Yeah, we've like um, we've got a few few episodes in the can. It's been nice. It's been fun. Uh, that's nice, isn't it? We, we didn't think we were going to sort of, thought it'd be a bit stressful, but we've actually really enjoyed doing it. It's fun, isn't it? It's fun. I, I hadn't actually done many podcasts. I've still not done that many podcasts, really. I sort of weirdly was scared of them. But I, I'm doing more now, and I, I like it. Uh, nice I've only boy. done about three or four. Well, I'm on it. I'm very on it. Well, <laughs> Ian Sterling, an absolute delight. Good luck with season two. I look forward to seeing it. And I look forward to seeing you next time I see you with another huge change. Perhaps three more children and some crawling along the ceiling. Love to you. Good day. I, Ian Sterling. <laughs> Good day. So that was episode 232. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 20 minutes of chat, secrets and video with Ian. Don't miss the first two episodes of Shrinking, available on Apple TV Plus from the 27th of January. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, but write about the film that means the most to you and why. It's a lovely thing to read, helps with numbers, blah, 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 you know all that, and it's very much appreciated. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to Ian for giving me his time. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come and join me next week for another amazing guest. You will love it. I hope you're all well. Love to you all. So that is it for now. Have a lovely week. And in the meantime, please, now more than ever, be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store.
Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a straight talk extended silver unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.